Hello, 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 and welcome to the inaugural episode of the new season of The Kingston Curator here on CFRC 101.9 FM. The Curator is your weekly arts and culture news program, bringing you the latest and most intriguing in local creative pursuits. My name is Lauren Tucker, and I'm very happy to be your host this summer, taking over the mantle from our current broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie. On this program, we'll be featuring arts headlines, interviews, reviews, and more, including a sprinkle of world's arts news, and of course, some awesome coverage of live music by our outreach coordinator, Mary McKetty. We're bound to have a great summer here on air with all of the awesome events going on here in the local area. Stay tuned throughout the hour for some awesome guests we've been very lucky to have this week, including Kingston musician and Tragically Hip alum, Gord Sinclair, creativity studio artist at the Tet, Lisa Leskian, fantastic local musician Tom Savage, and the Juno-nominated Miss Emily. So keep it locked on CFRC, but for now, let's get it started with our headlines for the week. The Dan School of Drama and Music at Queen's University will be presenting the 2023 Watershed Festival next weekend, May 26th to 27th at the Kingston Grand Theatre. The festival celebrates the new and innovative works of Canadian and international musical theatre that it presents and will feature the world premiere of the musical The Lancashire Lass, a new works showcase, and a family-friendly show based on Chicken Little. Tickets are available now through the Kingston Grand website and you can check out more information at Watershed Music. MusicalTheatre.com. Lots of exciting news coming out of the Kingston Canadian Film Festival this week, as submissions for the Kingston Canadian Film Festival of 2024 are now open. The festival is accepting submissions for features, mid-length films, Canadian shorts, local shorts, and youth shorts created by those filmmakers in middle and secondary school. All submission fees have been waived at this time, and films which screen at the fest are eligible for screening fees and awards, so there's no better time for filmmakers to submit. Although, submissions will be open now into the winter if you need time for extra touches. Full eligibility criteria and submission forms are now available at kingscanfilmfest.com submit. Additionally, the Slate Music Video Program will be returning to KCFF this year. This initiative pairs local musicians with local production companies and will provide funding to create music videos which will be on exhibition at the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. There will be a free info session and mixer about this program on June 2nd as part of the Spring Reverb Music Festival. Also being hosted by KCFF venue The Broom Factory as part of Spring Reverb are many awesome concerts and panels throughout the weekend. Highlights include the Music Declares Emergency panel, which explores, quote, from streaming, venues, staging, and merch to touring, travels, festivals, and live music, we will discuss what is happening across the music industry to address the climate crisis and explore how the music sector can play a key role in responding to the climate emergency, as well as the Check Your Head workshop, a panel on mental health issues and support for musicians and other arts workers. These events are free, but you must pre-register your attendance at KP concerts.com slash spring reverb more details and events are available at the link spring reverb runs downtown from june 1st to 4th And speaking of Spring Reverb, the curator will be bringing you all of the latest news and the countdown to the festival. This week we were lucky enough to sit down with headliner Gord Sinclair. Take a listen. I'm so happy to welcome the Kingston-based performer, one of the headliners of Spring Reverb, and bassist of the legendary Tragically Hip, Gord Sinclair. Gord, we are so thrilled to have you here. Oh, happy, happy to be there. Thanks very much, Lauren. Thanks for having me. 
so again so happy to have you here especially on our uh, premiere of the new season of Kingston Curator now I'd love to start it off by chatting with you about your newest album sophomore sure. solo album in Continental Drift uh, congratulations on this recent release oh, thank you very much of course yeah this album really feels at least to me um, like a journey we kind of kick it off with this driven rock track and then we go explore all these avenues lyrically tonally instrumentally yet it still maintains a real sense of being this cohesive piece now as someone who's worn many hats as I understand it as a performer a producer a songwriter on all these different albums what goes into it for you when writing and putting together a solo album well it's it's interesting to say that of course I spent my entire career um, with the tragically hip and uh, like 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 most groups you know when you start out um, with the number of members people individuals are bringing in songs to the group um, right and that's how we that's how the hip starts just like everybody else and slowly over time um, we developed a very collaborative approach to songwriting where we kind of jettisoned the idea of writing songs on our own and we would bring ideas into a group setting and we would write basically going around the room you know i've got this idea and if something really stuck we would develop that idea go down and start putting melodies and lyrics on top and that's basically the way we we did it for our entire career um where you can hear everyone's influence in every song but of course um very sadly gordon died in, in 2017 um and it really uh, sadly it, it kind of forced me into a position um where i had to go back the way I started writing music, uh, you know, 30 years prior, I, I had to start finishing songs again and, and finishing lyrics and, and musical ideas and, and, and arrangements and structures and stuff. And um, over the years, working with the hip, I had had a, a lot of ideas that I had stockpiled that we didn't develop into songs. Um, and so that my first uh, foray. Uh, into, into writing was kind of going back and, and working on those ideas, trying to get lyrics and melodies on top. And it was really just to occupy my time more than anything. And not only was I still mourning the loss of my very, very dear friend, um, I, I was out of the routine of what I enjoyed my entire career, getting together with the guys to write, which I'd love to do. Right. Um, so I was finishing off ideas and, and plugging away. I didn't really have any ambition um, to release a record until I wrote a song where I, I, I felt that I'd finally adequately expressed my feelings of losing Gord. Um, and uh, it was called In the Next Life. And that's when I, I took it to my friend James McKenty and, and, and said, you know, what, else, what do you think? I have material here for a record. And, and basically, we worked on it, and, and, and with John Angus McDonald, and that's how my first record was was born. Um, and fast forward, you know, a year from there, and I was just about to go out on the road. In fact, I had about two weeks worth of dates in um, supporting the trues, and a global pandemic hit, and everything was canceled, and I found myself like everybody else, completely locked down. Right, and. Um, basically here's the, the answer to your question is that I I'm not a journalist I don't I don't write in my diary every day I, I, I express myself musically and, and, and lyrically through song so so incontinental drift was written and conceived and recorded while I was locked down in in, in my home um, and it has a 
I think, because it, it represents that time and that place and how I was feeling at a particular time and place during the pandemic. Um, so it's a funny thing, like as an artist, a solo artist, you have your entire career to kind of write your first record. And then, you know, uh, you have about a 18 months, a year to 18 months to write your second. And that's what Incontinental Drift uh, kind of reflects for me. All the songs were written during that time and you know, very other time and kind of uh, just trying to reflect my feelings of the confinement and, uh, and you know, the, the problems that everyone seemed to have uh, while we were locked down. Yeah, absolutely. That is a really, that segues really well into the next question that I was going to ask were, were the themes of this album a goal you set out to achieve? Or it sounds as though it's the latter, that something happened more organically throughout that process of creating the album. Yeah, I'm always a very organic writer. I I don't, uh, I don't punch the clock and and, and say, okay, I'm going to write from 10 to 2 this afternoon. I I, I write when when the the, the idea hits me. Um, I have a tendency to 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 sit usually with a guitar in my lap and, and maybe watching a movie or watching a game on TV and just noodling away until something sticks and something kind of draws my attention or uh, my distraction, I guess, and and focuses me on the music writing. And I found myself doing a lot of that during the pandemic, especially in the darker winter months where, uh, where they're just staring out the window or, or, you know, lamenting not being able to play or see my friends or see members of my family. And I, whenever that moment struck me when I started to work on something, I, I would see it through the end. And, and it actually really helped me get through that period of lockdown, just being able to articulate and, and capture how I was feeling musically. Right, you end up with almost this sort of time capsule of what was going on, both the good of having the time to create and also the bad of having to go through that experience. Yes, very, very much so. Um, and I, 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 I found myself lyrically and uh, being very, very candid with myself and as a result with the listener uh, about how I was feeling. Um, you know, there were moments during the pandemic when I... When I um, wasn't quite myself when I was feeling lower than I would normally feel. It was frustration and and, and loneliness and and and, uh, and just general concern. I mean, I, I think everyone went through a period of that at various times. Uh, obviously, I was very grateful to be uh, locked down, knowing that my family were all safe. Um, but nonetheless, there were there were there were times when. Again, I just did not feel myself, and I and I wanted to try to articulate that. Um, and there were other times when I, you know, quite frankly, I was very, very grateful for the circumstances that I found myself in. Um, when I would go outside, obviously, there so many people um, suffered great hardship during this pandemic and didn't have the resources that I may have had, or the the the, 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 the lodging that I may have had, and. and that's a, it was good for me to remind myself of that, and I tried to capture that feeling as well. You know, the idea that knowing that my family was safe as, as much as I was missing them and wanted to see them. Yeah, right. I, that's a really, I think, a really interesting, valuable perspective that um, 
comes into consideration, I think, for a lot of us, but maybe not in all the art we saw come out of that time. So that's so, so cool and interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, My pleasure. It again kind of segues really well that we've been chatting with a lot of artists about that ability to now jump back into live music. Of course, to a certain extent, most restrictions are lifted and most of us fortunately have the ability to return to events like Spring Reverb. So what's the difference for you as an artist to be able to hit the ground running off this release with live performance of these songs when previously that wasn't exactly an option? Well, it, it, it's actually it, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. We were we were um, the the first little run of shows that I did um, were principally acoustic. Uh, James McKenty and I, who's playing in my band, went out in support of the Trues, um, but we had it fully intended to mount our own tour with with uh, a four piece uh, electric rock band that we put together. Um, and of course, all that was put on hold. So I really felt. Uh, that the, that the project was really unfinished. I wanted to reflect the songs, and now now I finally had that opportunity. I, I played quite a few shows last summer um, with the guys I'm playing with, Jeff Hallis, Chuck the Drummer, and my, my son Elliot Sinclair playing bass. And and we're just, again, uh, I'm, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Um, I'm a big believer in the importance of live performance and the heritage of live performance in this this country. The you know the tragically hip came up playing small shows. We we learned how to do what we did in Kingston, Ontario, playing you know the Toucan and playing Elfie's Pub at Queens and playing the Lakeview Manor and you know starting off playing once a month and then once a week and then three times a week and that's really there's a long tradition of that in in music in Canada. Um, people get the advantage of maybe getting a record deal or getting a song on the radio and that allows you to take the show even further afield and perhaps even across the country um what uh what was really happening sadly even before the pandemic is that live music has always been it's been in a very difficult um circumstance uh you know a lot of the downtown clubs closed in a lot of centers across the country and I was already doing some work with the Heritage Minister on that to, to, to write that ship when the pandemic hit. And unfortunately, over the course of the pandemic, you know, over 200, 250 small venues have closed in the country, which for me, as a, as a, as a believer in live music and a champion of live music, uh, is a very dire situation because young artists need those venues they, they need those stages to get up on to to advance what they're doing. You know, you can, you can play at home and practice at home, but there's nothing like taking your material out in front of people and seeing how they react. That's the biggest way to learn as a performer and as a songwriter. Um, and all those advantages that, uh, that Canadian musicians used to have, though, the circuit of bars to play, is really under threat right now. Um, so, again, that's why I'm very grateful for what the people at Spring Reverb are doing, um, shining a light on this problem. And I'm also always eternally grateful to be from Kingston, Ontario, where unlike a lot of other centers, we have a large number of live venues that run live music all the time. And I think if you look in the, you know, the annals of Canadian music, that's why Kingston always produces uh, the large number of recording artists they have, because they, they start off small, 
learned how to play, learned how to write, take the show on the road, and, and get better. And it, it's a it's been a long storied history, you know, starting with you know perhaps us, but but you know the glorious sons and the headstones and Moist and Sarah Honda. The list goes on and on of, of great artists that have come out of this city, and uh, I, that's a big part of the reason why I'm so excited to to take this um, to the to the uh, to the Broom Factory, uh, which is a brand new venue uh, for our city and a, and a beautiful room, and and draw attention to the fact that you know, we need to have these small stages and people need to come out and support live entertainment in, in your hometown. Yeah, absolutely. That I, I absolutely agree. It's it's great to kind of look forward to just the breadth of the scene that we're seeing. Um, that we'll be playing Spring Reverb, like the the yeah. diversity of artists and also the fact that it's four whole days and everybody really gets their their moment to either learn and get accustomed to this or to have maybe a little bit of a homecoming after not being able to to share that with the city for a long time. Yeah, very much so. There's nothing like live performance. When we were, you know, you go to any show, um, you know, of an artist whose music you enjoy, and and not only does the performance, a you know, hundred times out of a hundred, elevate the material that you've enjoyed by hearing it on, on on record or on the internet, but when you look around the room and you and you you see. Uh, you're 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 congregated with your, your your fellow music fans, and you realize right away you have something in common with those people. It's it's the love of the art and the love of a particular group, and it, it, it to me it's a just pretty much a fulfillment of a, a great human experience. And music is always the backdrop of of when, when people congregate, whether it's at a funeral or, or going to church or going to a big concert or convocation. It, it, music is always there to, to bring us together. And that's what I love about what the folks at, at Spring Reverb are doing, um, you know, providing you know, an ample opportunity for people to get out and, and really experience the beauty of live performance. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious now that you talk about kind of the music being the backdrop to kind of bringing us closer together. If I can ask, I I would imagine it's been a pretty cool experience to now be playing with your son at these gigs. Yeah, it is. It is. It it is really, really great. He he, uh, he's a wonderful musician and a wonderful singer songwriter in his own right. Um, He was in Montreal uh, during the pandemic uh, at McGill and graduated from McGill um, and I did the uh, I, I recorded the, the record at my house with a mobile recording unit in a, in a converted airstrip that my friend James owns um, so I played the bass parts when we were doing the recording but very difficult for me to play bass and sing so I uh, I pressed him into service uh, <laughs> to play bass with me uh, live bass is not his first instrument he's a pianist and a guitar player and a singer um, but he's a wonderful musician and, and agreed to do it with me and and, uh, and it, yeah it's just it's just wonderful he's a great player and, and uh, so yeah it's very exciting on a bunch of different levels for me um, and yeah I, I can't be more happy to, to, to taking the show out on, on Saturday the 3rd of June. That is so fantastic to hear. Now, um, is there a different way you think you approach this live performance now as you kind of differ in the way that you songwrite um, going out to do this solo work with your supporting band than previously with uh, The Hip or other folks opening for The Trues? Yeah, like very, very, very much so. I, I made, uh, you know, I had a wonderful long career uh, with the tragic 
someone, uh, my friend Gord, who I consider to be one of the best lyricists and, and singers, but particularly one of the best performers uh, that I'd ever seen. Um, and fast forward, uh, I find myself appreciating his talents even more that I'm the one standing at the microphone. Um, I, I was always in awe of, of what he would do over the course of, of the show. But when you're when you're faced with the uh, the reality that it's you that has to stand up and not only sing the songs but actually speak to the people and entertain them in between, it, it made me just value and, and respect and admire Gord that much more. Um, they're they're really big shoes to fill, and I wouldn't even pretend to be trying to fill them. Um, but it made me that much more grateful for the time that I they, that I got to, to work with him. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's a very resonant perspective to to hear from you. I think uh, from as myself, as someone who's really resonated with uh, the work of the hip, and I'm sure as many, many, many of our listeners at the station have. So um, again, really appreciate you sharing that. I think... Yeah, of course. Um, so I think we can say that yourself and the Tragically Hip, you we can very safely say that you're kind of Canadian OGs, you're Kingston OGs in a way. Um, so what kind of an experience is it for you to now look forward to a festival that has so many of these up-and-coming local artists, and how have you watched this local scene grow? Well, I, I, again, I'm very, very enthused by it. I'm, I'm a big believer, like I was saying, a big believer in live performance. I really think that's the secret weapon that we have in this country. And um, I was concerned, uh, legitimately concerned during the pandemic, um, not only as a music fan and not being able to go out to see uh, groups play, but I was really concerned with the fact that whether or not the venues are actually going to be there uh, when, when we're able to get back and, and, and go out and see shows again. So to have a festival like Spring Fever going on with a vast amount of artists and all different genres of music and having people come out again to see shows is really, really encouraging. Um, in, in, in my experience, um, Canada is a really great incubator for, for musicians and songwriters. It's a very, very difficult um, country to tour. Uh, you know, the distance between gigs is such that you really cannot have a, a day job. Um, and so you have to commit to music full-time. And that, and that reality, the, the obstacle of the country, the vastness of the country, is actually our biggest advantage because it forces you to take the show on the road and you learn, you learn how to play in an empty room on a Tuesday night. And you, know, and you learn how to make a Tuesday night like a Saturday night with the way you perform and the way you interact with the crowd. And I think you know, if you look uh, at the number of artists that Canada produces, we there, there's a reason why we punch above our weight in terms of the number of great performing artists, musicians, songwriters that we do. I, I would include comedians in, in that regard as well because that's an equally uh, difficult way to make a living. And you either get really good at it and you fall in love with it or you, or you stop and, Likewise, if you look at international crews, uh, the people that are in the support side of the music business, uh, the stage techs, um, uh, recording engineers, front of house engineers, lighting people, 
all those crews are generally populated by a lot of Canadians because we learn how to do it in this country. And it is a real advantage of ours. And it really starts at the small local club level. That's where local music begins. And that's when people start to dream big and, and think about the opportunity to take the show on the road and, and, and making a career of it. Like when we started it, we were at Queen's Jesus University in 1985. We harbored a dream in the back of our head and aspirations to be professional musicians, but we didn't set necessarily set out to do that. We sort of set out to play one week and then play the next week and then play a couple times a week, and that's how we built our career. Um, and it, it sounds old-fashioned, but in so many ways, that's the best way to do it. You, know, you think about the near term, you try to make every show the best show. Um, regardless of the day of the week, regardless of how many people are in the audience. And if you stick to that commitment, learn how to respect your bandmates and your traveling companions, you know, you, you can achieve whatever you set out to achieve. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's kind of a wonderful note to kind of end off on. Um, Great. Thank you so much for being here, uh, Gord, on the new season of Kingston Curator and with us at the station. Listeners, be sure to check out the Spring Reverb show that Gord is playing doors at 7 p.m. at the Broom Factory on Saturday, June 3rd. And it also features opening act Julia Finnegan. The Kingston Curator and CFRC News Programming will be bringing you the latest in Spring Reverb as we have it, so be sure to stay tuned. The Union Gallery is currently accepting national submissions of zines from post-secondary students from now until May 26, following the theme of recreation and reconnection, encouraging artists to explore disconnection from outdoor surroundings based on the provided template. The project will become a public traveling zine library in spaces around Cataraqui, Kingston. Tomorrow, May 20th, will be the last chance to visit the current display of works. The Union Gallery will be closed for install from May 23rd to June 10th, and their summer exhibition will be on display from June 14th until August 5th. Visit unionGallery.queensu.ca for all this and more. And following more in local art, we chatted with local artist and educator Lisa Leskian, currently a creativity studio artist at the Tet Center, about her work and ongoing project to create an oil painting for each kilometer of the KNP Trail. Check it out. We are here with local artist and educator Lisa Leskin, currently the Studio B Creativity Studio Artist at the Tent Center and much more locally. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> We're so glad to have you on the program and on the sort of premiere of uh, the new season of the Kingston Curator here. So I'd love to just jump into talking to you about your work in the community. But I think a lot of our listeners, especially like current art students and the like, would be interested and hearing a bit about your background, if you feel comfortable sharing, just an idea of how you got to wear all these hats in the community. Um, Well, I'm an artist and educator in Kingston, and uh, I'm a studio uh, resident at the Tet Center, like you just mentioned. Um, I am fairly um, a new artist. I have been devoting um, my time to my art in the last two years, but before that, I was an elementary school teacher um, in Brantford for 16 years before I decided to spend a little bit more time creating art. Awesome. Awesome. 
That's really cool to know. I think it's um, so interesting when folks kind of follow that as it kind of calls to them. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. I love that description that you use of yourself kind of in your website and that sort of thing as an artist on the loose. Can you explain (laughs) a little bit more about what that means to you? And has that always, has the movement running always been in such a close dialogue with the art that you do? Um... Well, that that handle that came from my Instagram handle, Lisa on the Loose. Right. And uh, before I decided to uh, try becoming an artist, I was a competitive runner. All right. So um, the the handle seemed to work when um, when I put it towards art because I like getting my inspiration from the places I, I run through. Right. Um, so it, it worked both ways, and I, I like how uh, <laughs> how it translates to um, artist on the loose. Yeah, I really, I really love that. That's cool that it sort of has, has translated that way from where it kind of started. And kind of speaking of that whole concept, I, one of the foremost things I wanted to ask you about was your upcoming project to paint a representation of each kilometer of the KMP Trail How's that project going? And what about that area, that trail, did you find so inspiring in the first place? Um, well, when I uh, when I applied to be a resident at the Tet Center, I proposed this project and I wanted, and I chose a local trail, and I, I loved the idea of um, tracking the trail through um, not only um, per kilometer, but I also, since I started um, running and uh, photographing the trail in February when there was snow, you're going to see it change throughout the seasons too. Okay, so. <laughs> that's really cool. So like almost cataloging both the physical journey and the journey through time that our local scenery is going through. Yeah. Oh, I really, really uh, love that. Um, by the time it ends, uh, hopefully I'll be towards Charbot Lake in the fall, so you'll see colors, uh, more colors come through the paintings. That's so, that I love that so much. And uh, is there a place that folks who are listening uh, can really tune in to kind of keep up with that project? Um, I, for, for um, things that are a lot more current, I, uh, I, um, I'm on Instagram, All right. and um, I do have a website that um, I hope to get my blog, um, my blog on the go on the website. But right. My website's lisaontheloose.com, and my Instagram handle is uh, lisaontheloose as well. Okay, <laughs> and um, just so you know, I'm gonna kind of stitch this part together on the editing here, and I know I didn't put this kind of on the outline, but I was wondering if you felt comfortable kind of speaking to what your experience kind of starting at the Tet has has been like and in interacting with the folks there. Um, it's been really positive. Uh, I, I've learned, like I said, since I'm a new artist, mm-hmm. um, being among artists who have been doing it for longer than me has been really, really helpful. Right. Um, because it's just the little things that you don't you don't know when you first start. Um, and all of the artists there have been so helpful, and they they um, you know they they give me their perspective on things, and they all have uh, a different way of doing it. Like a few, like lots of them make prints, and some of them don't, and they all have their reasons for for or both their their uh, ways about going thing doing things that um, 
that I can learn from. And I, I find that really helpful. Right. Yeah, of course. I love that idea that it's kind of, um, you know, for the staff there and the artists and residents there, that sort of thing, you folks are able to be in a community together as much as you're kind of in dialogue with the broader Kingston community. Um, and do you have a lot of interactions with uh, folks who come in maybe with less art experience at the Tet? Just curious about what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the Tet has not only art studios, it has, you know, it has a, uh, the Kingston School of Dance right, that is there, yeah. and the, the Spinners and Weavers, and the Pottery Guild, and there's a whole bunch of, oh, and there's a music lending library downstairs, mm-hmm. and uh, the Kingston Council for the Arts is there, and the Juniper Cafe is wonderful. And Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, people are coming there for different reasons, and if they are exploring the building, they, they do come upon the, uh, the creati- creativity studios, and if there's artists in there, the doors are open, and everybody is welcome to come and say hi and see our process and see us at work. Um, which which is really neat because, you know, before I was in the TED, what you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you mind me asking you about that? Because now I'm just kind of realizing if this is sort of new, two years old, was this something that kind of came out of the pandemic and isolation for you? Do you mind me asking? Uh, a bit, a bit. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when I, when I was trying to make the decision between, because I, I, I came upon uh, a time where I was making a decision whether or not to to go down this path and right. and uh, you know I I uh, I was thinking that you know it it actually came it's kind of, it sounds kind of dark but it came from um, having a few family members die before they reached retirement I see yeah. and and I didn't I after I before I I went down this path I thought okay I'll become an artist when I retire from teaching right and. After this, ha- after that happened, and and the the second and third, you know, family member mm-hmm. died before they hit retirement. I thought, you know, I, I don't think uh, I should wait. I think if it's a thing that I want to do, I think I should um, go explore that option. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and that's what ended up happening. And and luckily, you know, I had the support of my husband, and we and we made that happen. And and you know, we were able to. We actually relocated to Kingston. Okay. Um, or the Kingston area. We live just north. Kingston. Um, and and I was able to put that into place. And the Kingston community has been wonderfully supportive and it's going really well. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad to hear that even though it kind of comes out of an unfortunate circumstance. I think there's actually a little bit of a theme when we talk to artistic folks of any kind in the community that that um, either, you know, personal loss or the pandemic and stuff, that is a very powerful kind of motivator for art, even though it comes out of something that's, you know, unpleasant, even though we all have to go through it at one time or another, if you don't mind me uh, saying so. Um, Thank you so much for being here and stopping by. I truly appreciate it. Uh, Just before we go, would you mind giving us that Instagram handle for our (laughs) listeners to uh, make sure they go and follow? Um, It's, uh, well, it's Lisa on the Loose. It's separated by uh, periods or dots. It's Lisa dot on dot the dot loose. Perfect, <laughs> on perfect. Instagram. And Our, that's my website as well, lisaontheloose.com. Thank you so much for being here, Lisa. We're going to throw it back for the rest of the Kingston Curator here on Friday afternoon, 1019 CFRC. That was Lisa Leskian. Be sure to keep up with her on socials. Now let's throw it over to Mary for an interview from Kingston's own Tom Savage and for this week in live music. 
Hello to all our listeners here on CFRC 101.9 FM tuning into the first broadcasting of Kingston Curator. My name is Mary McKetty and I'll be co-hosting our show to bring you weekly interviews with local Canadian musicians as well as a live music lineup, which is the segment that will feature the latest updates on live music performances happening across the city. Coming up first, I've got an interview with one of Kingston's best, country and folk artist Tom Savage. As many of you probably already know, Tom has been kicking it in Kingston for over 20 years, performing great shows known for their electric sounds that blend country, folk, the hint of blues, and fast-paced rock and roll, thanks to his astounding voice and stellar guitar shredding. Tom, thank you so much for coming in to speak with me today about what happened. Um, I was wondering if you would mind telling our listeners about the situation? Yeah, well, I, I was getting ready to go to a gig um, last Saturday, and I had loaded my van and sort of on the way kind of thing. I've, I I go for a walk every day out at Unity Road. Uh, it's about 10 minutes outside of Kingston on the KMP Trail. So went walking uh, for half hour and I came back and the door handle had been ripped off my van on the passenger side. And uh, yeah, got a nice little gut punch when I noticed my guitars were gone and my pedal board and and my bag of cables and microphones and all the band merch that I was going to take to uh, to the gig. So that's what happened. It is really unfortunate that somebody, that they were just interested in doing something like that. I am really sorry about what happened. Um, I know that... Um, one of the items um, taken was obviously your guitar, and you're very well known f- uh, for using that guitar. Yeah, it's the Gibson Nighthawk, which I bought at Renaissance Music in town 30 years ago, and I've, I've been the only player of that guitar. I've played thousands of shows across the country, across the continent, really, uh, with that guitar. So people in Kingston and the area, but also the uh, my music peers across the country know me for that guitar so I think that's a good thing you know if I'm going to get the guitar back because it's it's a it's a unique guitar uh, Gibson only made the guitar for five years and then discontinued it so it's not like a Fender Stratocaster or a Gibson Les Paul it's that's well known and a lot of people have them so it's recognizable and uh fingers crossed someday it comes back definitely um, <laughs> um thank you for sharing kind of like the background of like the guitar it's really interesting to know and also just generally like to know what it means to you just as a performer um it's a it's an appendage eh? an extension of yourself uh when you i and i i i never really get caught up in that with guitars it, well until this happened really because I can pick up any guitar and I'll I'll do something with it, but uh, just uh, uh, that Nighthawk, it's it's almost it's a time capsule, really. It's like it's it's like the animated object that represents so many memories, and that's the important thing, and that that's irreplaceable, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. The memories that you create with um, an instrument, even if it is like a material object, it's something that you grow connected with after like twenty years of playing in Kingston. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, Given how much this, the importance of this guitar, and obviously your equipment too, um, if there is anyone on air that um, is listening in who might know something or was maybe involved in the situation, is there any way, like, do you have any recommendations of what you'd want them to do or who to contact about? Well, they could contact me 
uh, through my Facebook page or TomSavageMusic at gmail.com. They could uh, drop the equipment off at the Long and McQuaid in town uh, and say they found it. I know they probably don't want to do that uh, and be out in public like that. So I don't really know. Uh, we'd have to figure out something, a way for them to drop it off without being caught. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not looking to uh, turn them into the police or anything. I just obviously their their life situation is one of desperation, and I I feel for them. But uh, we can figure something out. Yeah. If you have a change of heart, I I know these guitars are going to be very hard to move uh, on the market because of the exposure this has gotten. Exactly, which is a good thing because hopefully now that more people are aware of what's happened, even if it obviously is a bit intimidating if someone is involved or um, anything like that, um, to have a piece of equipment that's so recognizable, to have some kind of avenue that you've just explained that they could go to to return your equipment and your guitar, hopefully somebody takes action that way. Um, until um, your guitar is returned, I know that you are doing upcoming performances at the RCHA and at Spring Reverb. Would you want to maybe talk about that and what those performances mean to you? Well, uh, the RCHA is with my band Dead Root Revival, and we're yeah, we're a rock band. It's a great show. <laughs> I think we it's our only show in Kingston this summer, actually. So yeah, come on out to that. Uh, I'll, I guess that you know yeah. a $15 ticket and uh, limited seating up there it, I think you can fit 80, 80 people into that uh, Spring Reverb uh, obviously a great festival going on in town with a ton of bands uh, we're doing a free show not Dead Root Revival Savage Family Band which is me and Bones the drummer from Dead Root Revival and my son Benji's on bass and we're playing outside on the patio there on June 4th in the afternoon, and that'll be great. It's kind of a soul groove kind of band. We do sort of half instrumental and half vocal music. So very jazz groove influenced. Yeah, which is nice. Like, it's good to have both like the typical, like the blues and like the folk kind of vibe that you give. And then also like a change in night with the jazz from like Spring Reverb. That'll be yeah, really like, like, well, with Savage Family Band, it started during lockdown because uh, Benji couldn't go to his bass lessons and I, I couldn't work because no, no one could Because I mean, go, no one could leave You couldn't house. go outside. <laughs> so, so instead of bass lessons, I started making up little tunes and we'd just jam in the basement and then that became like 20 or 30 tunes and we added bones and it's like and so it's very dependent on 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 benji's bass groove funky groove and style <laughs> so it's a fun uh family project for sure Oh yeah, that sounds really, really cool to be involved in. And I know that everyone's going to be looking forward to both um, seeing you at the RCHA and of course Spring Reverb. So thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. And I hope that um, your guitar and equipment are returned to you soon. And definitely looking forward to checking you out at the two events mentioned. Thank Thanks you. so much, Mary. As Tom mentioned, anyone with information should contact him directly either on Facebook or via email at tomsavagemusic at gmail.com or visit Longham McQuaid, located at 2762 Princess Street, to drop off his guitar and equipment. I really hope that his items are returned soon. 
In the meantime, make sure to come out and support Tom at his next live performances that we talked about. Now make sure to stay tuned because I've got this week's live concert lineup coming up next. For today's live music lineup, I'll be hooking you up with performances happening from Tuesday, May 23rd to Wednesday, May 24th from amazing artists like Tom Savage, Hayden, Cacao, and $5 Dates. So stay tuned because you don't want to miss these details. Tuesday, May 23rd is set to be jam-packed with both visiting and local favorites. My first Tuesday feature needs no introduction to our audience, but I've still got one prepared. Local favorite Tom Savage, known for his country and folk music, has been a staple in Kingston's music community for over 20 years and is back to perform Happy Hour Open Jam at the Stand DC in the Royal Canadian Horse Artillery Club, located at 193 Ontario Street. He and his friends will bring you that Saturday Night Out feeling from 4 to 7 p.m. every Tuesday until June 27th, with good tunes and happy hour pricing on drinks. Make sure to stop by the RCHA and check out kingstonlive.ca for more details. Next up, and even with Hayden is live at the Isabel Bader Center Rehearsal Hall, located at 390 King Street West. Flying Bee Productions brings you Hayden Dessner, a Toronto-based alt-folk artist with over 25 years in the industry and Polaris and Juno Award nominations to show for it. Hayden is set to perform songs from his ninth studio album, Are We Good?, which marks the end of his eight-year album release, Hiatus. Doors open at 6.30pm and the show runs from 7.30 to 10.30pm, with tickets priced around $56. For more information about Hayden and to purchase tickets for his upcoming performance, be sure to visit eventbrite.ca, and that's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot C-A. My last Tuesday lineup features Kingston's godfather of funk, Cacao, who is set to host Open Mic Night at Music Key, located at 73 Brock Street. Ricky Brandt, better known as Cacao, is a psychedelic, funk-infused multi-instrumentalist with over a decade of music experience. His original and energizing performance as an artist is sure to shine through as he hosts Open Mic Night. Doors open at 7pm, and you can catch Cacao from 8 to 11pm every Tuesday until June 27th. Open Mic Night is free to attend, so I hope to catch you there. If you're looking for more details, head over to kingstonlive.ca. My final live music lineup for this week's episode of Kingston Curator highlights an upcoming performance from $5 Dates at the Spearhead Brewing Company, located at 675 Development Drive. $5 Dates is an acoustic trio set to perform covers from some of the best in the business, including Neil Young, Mumford & Sons, The Lumineers, and maybe even covers from Queen and the Tragically Hip. Their show is free to attend, but limited seats are available, so I highly recommend that you reserve your spot by emailing reservations at spearheadbeer.com. That's all I've got for you on this week's live music lineup on the debut episode of Kingston Curator, but you don't want to touch that dial because Lauren sits down with Juno nominee Miss Emily in an interview and live music performance coming up next. Thank you so much, Mary. Keeping it going in terms of live music, tonight is the much-anticipated return of Miss Emily to the Isabel Bader Center this Friday, May 19th. This Kingston-based Juno-nominated artist joined us in station on Monday to talk about the upcoming performance and songs we'll hear. Take a listen. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We're this is great. We're so excited to have you here and looking forward to the gig. So I think it would be great to just start off with the return to live music in 2023 and the return to the Isabel. How does it feel to be so close to returning to this special Kingston venue, especially after the uh, Live at the Isabel Juno-nominated album? So this one's a real big one for mm -hmm. me. I mean, I've played that room so many times, um, really in recent years. I mean, just, you know, three years leading up to the COVID times, I played there quite a bit. And... Um, 
it was always magical. It was always fun. I always invited as many friends as I could course, to be on stage yeah. with me so we could just, <laughs> you know, share the love and celebrate that time together. So um, it was exciting. And that was before all of the craziness of the right. last few years. Yeah. And, and included in some of the negative craziness, the positive craziness being this Live at the Isabel album that I yeah. released during COVID, uh, being nominated for a Juno. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, we have something really special we haven't properly celebrated yet. So. Absolutely, yeah. Was that um, was did that album come out of kind of the spontaneity and the having to get creative with, okay, the world shut down. How do we continue to keep this going? Or was there an idea that that could potentially be something prior to? the pandemic so uh fortunately the isabel had recorded all of they always gave me the option when i played there like do you want us to record live and i would always say yes record through the board because i would do videos i would i would find different purposes for those recordings even if just to listen to grow as an artist and um i'm always critiquing myself i'm always trying to be a better live performer um but I did not anticipate on making a live album anytime soon. It, right. We were supposed to go into studio with uh, producer Gord Sinclair and bass player from the Tragically Hip. And that was March 2020, late March 2020. We were supposed to go in. Of course, that did not happen. Right. So I had to, uh, by the time, you know, July rolled around, I was like, I need to come up with a plan because I had not released an album since 2017. So mm -hmm. it was, uh, it, you know, it, it all worked out hilariously well. <laughs> right, right. But it was, it was very much, it very much happened because of the pandemic. Yeah, that's, it's so interesting to me, I think, to see the projects that we perhaps never would have otherwise seen that came out of this kind of scary time that we were all experiencing. Um, this concert, as I understand it, is also a celebration of your recent album, Defined by Love. I love the album person personally, and to me, it just lyrically felt as though that album was really a product of the current time that we're all living both locally and on a larger global scale um can you walk us through what the process of creating that album was like especially coming off of the live record so thanks that's a great question i uh it's completely different than the studio album i was going to make in 2020 right. this album is couldn't be more different um i uh I really, I went through kind of a really challenging personal time, aside from, of course, the pandemic thing and uh, being an artist, um, not being able to perform live and all that kind of stuff. I went through a divorce and it was not my choice and it was really um, tragic at the time. Now I'm so grateful and it's all, it was all meant to happen exactly how it did, but it kind of forced me into this state where I needed to create music because I needed to create a livelihood for myself and my daughter in a time when there was no industry right. uh, that I had, you know, solely worked in for 20 years. And so, um, I, I ended up writing this record. A lot of it, um, happened because I, I it was a self-soothing mechanism I was devastated I was uh in the depths of despair really I was suicidal it was terrible and um sorry oh it's all right but it's it, but it was like from that it was like creating something else that was ugly and and sad was just not going to serve the purpose that I right. needed it to and so it was awesome. It was such a gift. Mm -hmm. That time in my life, as challenging as it was, it was the greatest gift um, for me because it forced me as an artist to produce something that was positive. Right. And other people needed that too. I mean, yeah. that's why we make music as artists is not just for ourselves, but for other people. So Absolutely. I think that's just a really powerful statement on how 
in a time where we all felt really, I think, defined by loss, mm -hmm. there was another way to kind of look at it and to come together when, um, as listeners, as music fans, we, we needed something and you were willing to kind of be vulnerable and share that self-soothing exercise with us so thank you for sharing that oh insight. you're so sweet <laughs> yeah I mean um, I really I like to say I can keep everyone else's secrets but my own but oh, I really yeah. I'm just an open book when I talk about my art and myself and and I really feel that you know growth happens in ways we can never really see it coming Absolutely. and sometimes in our most challenging moments we do have a choice it doesn't mean it's easy to make that choice and I know for you know with mental health being uh, I'm not an expert in mental health but for myself I just was like I'm this is either it for me on planet right. earth or I am going to find a way out of this deep dark space right. and music has always been that um, opportunity for me to see light and you can falsely create light when you don't even have it there right. like I just couldn't see the shiny piece at the end of that tunnel at times but I was able to make it I was able to create it out of this right. dark space that sort of fake it till you make it mm -hmm. power that we kind of all have inside of ourselves yeah we really do all have it it's just it learning to access it and right. um you know, I'm thankful uh, to art for that. Absolutely. I yeah. feel that very uh, deeply. Maybe switching gears a little bit. Mm. I was listening to you chatting with Cindy on Wake Up, Indie Wake Up Call, rather, about uh, your band on the live record that is like so many Kingstonians that you play with. And also knowing you've done records with big Kingston and Canadian names, like you said, Gord Sinclair and Rob Baker. What do you think is unique and inspiring and maybe supportive about the Kingston collaboration? in particular and what has it sort of yielded for you artistically you know I accidentally ended up in Kingston following a boyfriend 20 years ago and then we had a we found out we were pregnant shortly after I moved here and I, I ended up having this baby and we split when she was a year old so I was kind of stuck here right and um <laughs> I always liked the city but when you feel like you don't really have the option to leave it creates a different thought process Very in your different. head of like why am I here why am I here but you can't help but look at the facts of looking around at the art scene and the music mm -hmm. scene and see that it's quite vibrant um there's an audience that supports it there's lots of great venues mm -hmm. and the fact that a lot of those venues survived the pandemic oh, is kind of amazing very lucky very really lucky. fortunate i think one of the special things about kingston is um we it's a nice size mm -hmm. you know so it's not a huge city like toronto but it's not that rural um atmosphere that makes it kind of hard to connect to each other mm -hmm. physically um the other thing is I, I really am so grateful for the student population. Yeah. You know, the fact that we have not one, not two, but three institutions mm -hmm. that bring young people, generally speaking, to this community is one of the reasons why it's so vibrant. Like, yeah. it, it's it's huge. The, they infiltrate this, this energy space with youth and optimism and hope and excitement and this like thirst for knowledge now allow me if you would uh, miss emily to throw it over for a song or two here on 101.9 cfrc this song is called glory Maybe you're living a good life Maybe you're living a 
could lie Why does it even matter who really cares You get to drink up the moments Nobody's living forever I never thought I was better than my attempts But you, you see interview and performance from Miss Emily from 5.30 p.m. on Monday on our CFRC program archives. Tickets are still available now at the listing at queensu.ca slash the Isabel, so if you like what you heard, be sure to get your last-minute tickets for tonight, May 19th at 7 p.m. That does it for us this week on the Kingston Curator. Be sure to tune in next week for your creative scoop. This is Lauren Tucker with Mary McKetty signing off on 101.9 FM CFRC. Have a fantastic weekend.